0: turn in your Bible to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And we continue our series that we began last Sunday called Living the Life. I want to read something to you. It's a a poem that I read many years ago that uh, was written uh, uh, by a lady by the name of Linda Ellis. We're talking about living the life. Everybody say living the life. Here it is. Okay it says I, I read of a man who want, who stood to speak at a funeral of a friend he referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end he noted that the first came that he noted that first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears but he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years for well, that dash represents all the time That they have spent alive on earth. And now only those who loved him know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. Listen carefully. What matter is how what matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remember that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read, with the life's actions, to, with your life's actions to rehash. Would you be proud of the things they say about you and how you spent your dash? You see, our life is but, the Bible says a moment, it's but a dash. We look at our lives and we realize how fragile they are. And this poem reflects the need for us to embrace the reality that God's given us one life. How many of you know you only have one life? And the way we live our life is so important. Are we going to live to honor God? Or are we going to live to honor ourselves? Or are we going to live for the moment and not think about uh, about life from, eternal, from an eternal perspective? And John 10.10 10 is our keynote verse for this series. I want us to read it together. And, I, and before we read it together, I want to just follow, uh, just go down and track down where it says, He came that you might have life. Everyone say life that life that we see there, as we learned last Sunday, is not just biological life. It's not just, uh, you know, uh, uh, blood flowing through our veins and air uh, 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 flowing in and out of our lungs. It's a spiritual life. And if you remember from last Sunday, we're made up of three parts, body, soul, and what? spirit. And because of sin, uh, 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 our spirit is dead. Now let's read this. Let's, let's read because we're going to look at it again today. Here we go. John ten ten. everybody together. Here we go out loud. Everybody ready? The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. What verse is that by the way? Let's read it again. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus came that we might have spiritual life and have it more abundantly. I said last week, I believe this uh, with all my heart. Sadly, most believers are living far beneath they're God-given potential. They're living below what God has for them. They're not living the abundant life. They're just surviving and not thriving. And I believe it's time. I said, I believe it's time that we began to lift the lid here a little bit and began to experience what God has for us. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you this morning. Amen. Now, the problem with that is, is, and we talked about this last week, a little reminder, a little re- rehearsal, a little review. The problem is humanity's global God problem, uh, humanity, and you look across the world, they've got a problem. We've got a problem that Jesus came to fix. It's called the sin problem. You see, when sin entered the world, it separated us from God, and humanity's spirit died we are dead spiritually and so we need to understand that sin has separated us from god uh, in fact <clears throat> i showed you two verses genesis 217 where the where god said to adam and eve he said the day that you eat of this tree you shall what surely die now did they die physically how did they die and they were what from god they were Separated from God, and they began to realize that they were now sinners. In fact, the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray, all of us have turned to our own way, and the Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Romans 3.23 says this, uh, uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know what you were when you were born? A natural born what? Sinner. I always say this. Nobody had to teach you to be ugly to your sister, did they? Nobody had to teach you to be ugly to your brother, did they? No, had, nobody had to teach you how to curse, smoke, chew, or go with the girls that do. In fact, I'll never forget, uh, Nathan, he's not here, I'll tell on him, and I, I think I can say this. When he was little, he cursed, when he was real little, he cursed my, grand, my mother out, his grandmother. He got real frustrated with her, and he said all the bad words he could think of in one line. He said, shut up, dum-dum, doo-doo, pee-pee, toot. <laughs> True story. That was the worst curse words he could take. I don't know if can edit that out or not, but I, we might can. Uh, but he cursed. He And so when we got back from whatever we were doing, my mother said, I said, how'd it go? She said, well, fine, but Nathan cursed me out. So she told me that story. Nobody had to teach him how to do that. He's just a natural born sinner. Uh, and so… Uh, so humanity's got a problem. We got sin that has separated us from God. And then when you go to the, but you go to the end of the book in Revelation, I gave you this other one, Revelation 21, four, at the end of days, uh, it says, and there shall be no more what death. And so here's the big idea I gave you last, last week. Uh, 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 here it is victory over the devil. Oh, Everything. I missed that. Thank you. So I told you I was a little fragile. Here we go. This was the important point to ponder that we talked about last week. Everything between the Garden of Eden and the glory of eternity, both past, present, and future, has been for the global God goal of raising that which is dead back to life. So between Genesis and Revelation, the beginning and the end, God's global plan has to bring, has been to bring humanity back into right relationship with, with Him. And, and just as He You remember Adam, what he did when he created Adam out of the dust of the earth? He made him and he formed him and then he, what did it say? He he breathed into him the breath of life. And so today, because we're dead spiritually, God wants to come and breathe life into us. And that's what the Bible's all about, for goodness sake. Some people look at the Bible and they get all cross-haired and, and puzzled and, and confused. Listen, from the beginning to the end, it's God's redemptive plan to bring humanity back into right relationship with God and give them life and give it to them more abundantly. Amen. Whew, thank you. I'm about to skip that, Ike. Thank you so much. And that was all last week. And then last week, we talked about this, that we gain access to live in the life. We're born again through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, what he did for us on the cross. You can't have spiritual life unless you have faith and trust and confidence in the cross, in the death barrel, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And you can be raised to walk in newness of life as well. And all God's people said, amen. Now, with that in mind, I want to look at the first part of John chapter 10 because this is key for you to understand. Jesus gave two thoughts in this one verse, John 10, 10. He said, the thief comes not, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. He's talking about you. But one of the things we've got to understand if we're going to be uh, live, if we're going to live the life that God has for us, that there is an enemy, we have constant conflict in the world. How many of you know there's constant conflict? We're talking about spiritual conflict by and large. Uh, and, and I believe most physical conflict in the world has its roots in spiritual issues. Let me just throw this out. It's not in your notes. It's just Pastor Sam, who may still be a little delirious, I don't know, but let me just throw this out off the top of my head. If you're having fussing and fighting at the house, it's, it may have a spiritual root. How many of you know the devil wants to divide and conquer? And all of us need to realize that that if we're going to live the life, we've got to learn how to arrest the devil, how to be victorious over the devil. Because he's out to do what? He wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. He wants to take your children. He wants to abuse them, use them, steal, kill, and destroy them. That's what he wants to do. You know, many of you may not remember Bill Bright and the four spiritual laws, but it it swept across the world and a a great global uh, harvest was was uh, reaped because of Bill Bright and Campus Crusade for Christ and his four spiritual laws. The first one was this, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Somebody say amen. amen. That's a great law, and we've got to realize God loves us and has a wonderful plan for your life. But understand something, conversely, on the other side of the coin, the devil hates you. And he has a terrible plan for your life. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So we've got to, if we're gonna live the life, we've got to learn that this conflict is real, that we've gotta we've gotta do some things, we've got to live our lives in a way that would bring uh, victory into our lives. And 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 here's what I want us to understand about all of that. You know, some people think, well, I just rebuke the devil. Well, you can rebuke the devil, we have authority over the devil, but let me give you, here's where I was trying to jump to just a few moments ago, today's big idea. Everybody say, what's the big idea? Read it out loud with me this morning, everyone, together, victory over the devil on a daily basis has so much more to do with how we live our daily lives than what we say with our lips. You can tweet that if you like. I already did. I think I got a few likes already. But let's, tw- let's, let's read it together again. Victory over the devil on a daily basis has so much more to do with how we live our daily lives than what we say with our lips meaning you can't just, you've got to live the life and rebuke the enemy. You can't just with your mouth say, get behind me, Satan. In fact, let me tell you a story. You can look it up later. Acts 19 verse 11. It's the seven sons of Skeva. Everyone say that. The seven sons of Skeva. They saw how Jesus and Paul, pardon me, they saw how Paul, not Jesus, they saw how Paul would, uh, would do mighty miracles. In fact, it says in this story that there was such an anointing on Paul that they would bring pieces of his clothing and handkerchiefs that even when Paul couldn't come, they would bring a handkerchief and lay it on sick people and they'd be healed. Somebody go, ooh, thank you, Jesus. Man, you th- some, pe- some people get nervous about supernatural ministry and, and, get, and people abuse things. But let me tell you something. Paul was walking in a supernatural anointing and things were popping. Things were happening. Miracles were happening. And people would see it. And these seven sons of Sceva who were not Christians, they saw that through the name of Jesus, the devil was was rebuked and exercised. And so they tried it. But they didn't have the life to back it up. They didn't have the faith and the belief to back it up. And it says that they, they rebuked the devil this way. We, we adjure you or we rebuke you. We exercise you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. They thought that would work. It did not work. In fact, the devil said this. I'm going to use my, faith, my best devil demonic going. And the devil spoke through this demonic person, said, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but who are you? (laughs) And here's the funny part. I put that in quotation. The devil that was on in this person, they were trying to rebuke out of it, jumped out of him and onto the seven sons of Sceva stripped. I, I don't know how this happened. But the devil stripped them naked and ran them out of town. Did you see that with me? (sighs) Seven brothers. Ah. (laughs) My wife thought that was funny. She's a visual learner. In fact, let me pause. You want to pause this for a second? Everybody put the pause. My wife needs desperate help with the new upgrade in Microsoft Windows. So if anybody here has got a handle on that. My wife needs a lesson in visual learning. Uh, She's got a brand new laptop. She says, It doesn't work anymore. So if you've got it figured out, my wife needs your help. You can unpause it now. Okay. She's a visual learner. And so she saw those seven naked sons of Sceva going, Ah! And that's an illustration of this big idea. Victory over the devil on a daily basis has so much more to do with what? Somebody say, How you live. The way we live determines whether we're victorious or not. How we live our lives and much more than what we say with our lips. It's not it, it it's not just what we say but what we do and how we live our life. So, with that in mind, I want to give you some thoughts. I really, uh, I don't know how we. I'm just going to give you four ideas, four thoughts, four keys to living a victorious life over the devil. Because it's it's not just who we are. We are believers. We do have authority in Christ. But uh, if we're not living the life that he asked for, if we're not appropriating what he would uh, have us appropriate in our life and begin to apply what he wants us to apply in our life, we're going to continue to be beaten up by the enemy and never walk victoriously over the devil on a daily basis. Are you with me? Say amen. So with that in mind, let me just give you four thoughts. I'm going to do it by way of staying engaged with things. The first one is this. If you're in John chapter 10, we're going to walk through that quickly. Stay engaged. If you're going to live a victorious Christian life, we must stay engaged with the governance and the guidance of the Good Shepherd. All God's sheep say, Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you want to keep going, say glory to God. Amen. Hey, we're sheep. Now, this is huge for you to understand. And if I had time, we could go into the nature of sheep. Uh, The nature of sheep, by and large, most sheep are dumb. Everybody say they're just dumb. They need a shepherd. They really do. They need a flock. We need a flock, everybody say, "Amen." Now, just understanding that. how many of you know when you understand you're not the smartest knife in the drawer, you then begin to lean on things that will help you if you're not the smartest knife in the drawer. Just say this out loud. I just, just be, can we be honest here today? Anybody just, just raise your right hand, raise your right hand and say, "I'm not the smartest knife in the drawer." or sharpest. I said smartest. That's funny. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. We're not. And so, understanding that causes us to come to a place where we realize, because I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, because I'm just a sheep, I need a shepherd, and, and because I'm a sheep, I'm very vulnerable to the enemy, I'm not very smart, I need the good shepherd in my life. So therefore, I must be engaged with the governance and guidance of the of the good shepherd, and that's what John 10, uh, by and large, is all about. So, let me just give you some thoughts, so I'm not going to read the whole uh, chapter to you we read some of it last week let me just give you some bullet points about the good shepherd that we've got to stay engaged with number one we've got to stay engaged with the good shepherd by listening to his voice look what the bible says here in chapter uh, 10 verse 3 through 5 to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep do what hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they do what? They know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now that's huge. When you understand that you're a sheep and he's your shepherd, you come to the point where you listen to his voice and you know his voice. And you follow him because you know his voice. And in fact, you come so accustomed to his voice, you don't respond or even understand or know the voice of the stranger. Years ago, when I was a young believer, the devil, you know, when you're younger, he'll do things. He knows you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I'm driving down the road. I don't know. I had a 32 Ford Coupe. Somebody say, "Whoo!" thank you, Jesus. It's about half- my 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 dad and my brothers built it. It became my car my senior year. It was not it was just cool but not too cool. Uh, and a uh, thirty two Ford coupe and it had a four speed in the floor, but there was no rubber boot or grommet around the four speed that I know of. And I think exhaust was coming up in there. I'm not sure, you know. So I don't know if it was the exhaust or the devil, but I'm I'm it was pretty rough. And I heard this voice in my head if you'll just go smoke some dope, you can get really close to God. I said, really? Then something on, that can't be the Lord. And I realized the enemy was trying to, I don't know if it's exhausted the devil, but I'm telling you, uh, I re- began to realize, that's not God's voice. If you hear the, the voice telling you to do things that you know are not right, you know that's not God. Come on now. I've, I, hey, let me just, don't blame our mistakes on God. Hey, if we're going to be good sheep, if we're going to stay victorious over the, hey, listen, the good shepherd will take good care of us, but we've got to stay yielded to his voice in our life. I remember Elijah. You remember the story of Elijah? He had, he was traumatized. He had, he was depressed. He was fleeing, kind of, from God, and he found himself in a cave. and 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 basically, God came to him not in a storm or a wind, but in a what a somebody say a still small voice. Woo! When he was at his lowest of lows, God came to him and spoke to him in a what a. Still small voice and said, what are you doing here? And he began to lead him out and get him out of his funk and out of his trouble and out of his trauma. Hey, the prophets of everybody goes through times where we've got to realize I need his voice in our, in my life. And if you want us to be victorious over the devil, you got to yield to the governance of God. Listen to his voice. In fact, if you go down to verse 20, after Jesus began to talk to them about the good shepherd and the sheep, look what it says in verse 20. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Listen, the enemy, <clears throat> when God begins to speak to you and direct your path, leading you out of things and into other things and, and helping you be live the life that he has, for the devil will come to you. Don't listen to that. That ain't going to help you. That's going to hurt you. What did the devil do with Adam and Eve? He questioned the voice of God. Questioned the, hath God said, listen, uh, that's the enemy's inroad to your life. Get you to question the voice of the good shepherd in your life. Hath God said, oh, maybe he hasn't. In fact, even here, many heard him talk about being the good shepherd. The devil inspired them to say, don't listen to him. Hey, we've got to stay engaged with the governance and guidance of the good shepherd. We've got to listen to his voice. Number two, we've got to respond to his love because the good shepherd does so out of love for us. Verse three says this to him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by what name? He's got us all named and numbered. He loves us. He cares for us. Verse 11 says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his What? life for his sheep. He loves us. The good shepherd is not just, he's not a hireling, it says there in John 10. The hireling says, when the thief comes, the hireling hits the track because he's got no skin in the game. He's not, he doesn't have any relationship with the sheep. He's just a hired hand. He, flee, he flees when the enemy comes. But the good shepherd, listen to me, when the good shepherd comes, that's what the staff is for. The good shepherd, if necessary. You know, you see those pictures of Jesus with the staff. You know what the staff is for? It's to reach out and pick that sheep up by the nap of the neck, get him out of a hole, get him out of a jam, and if necessary, put a good wallop on the devil's head in behalf of the sheep. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is the good shepherd, and if we'll stay listening to his voice, and if we'll stay responsive to his love and realize he does this because he loves us. He's not out to hurt us or harm us. He's here to because he loves us. Respond to His love. Number three, follow His leadership. Verse four, it says this, He brings out His own sheep and He goes before them and the sheep follow Him. Everybody go, amen. amen. Follow Him. He will, I love Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff... They comfort me. Anybody finish it? I could go on. Hey, He cares about it. He loves us. He leads us. I love what it says. He leads us in green pastures and beside still waters. Wherever He tells you to go, it's God's best for you. Look at your neighbor and say, God has His best in mind for you. We stay engaged with the governance and guidance of the good shepherd by listening to his voice, by responding to his love, by following his leadership, and by partaking of his provision. Verse 9 says this. I love this one. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find what? Pasture. You see, it's interesting to me how many people I see who confess themselves as believers and as born again Christians, maybe even spirit-filled Christians, but they don't, Partake of the pasture that God has for them. You don't find them in the pasture. Uh, 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 when when God's word has been given out, when the preacher's preaching, when the teaching's going on, they're not in the pasture. They're out wandering into the wilderness here and there, going here and there. Listen carefully. If you want to stay uh, under the governance and guidance of the good shepherd, you've got to listen to his voice. You've got to respond to his love. You've got to follow his leadership and partake of the prov- vision that he provides you amen and then finally on this particular point you got to believe his promises verse 27 and 28 when there was a little conflict he, he rehearses and rehashes this thought. He says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. How many of you like that promise right there? No one snatched me out of his hand. You gotta believe that if you yield yourself to his governance, you're under his divine protection and he's not gonna let the devil or, or, or whoever uh, uh, get to you. He's gonna take good care of you. Somebody say amen. You see, it's not just what you say, but it's how you live your life. And we've got to live our life engaged with the good shepherd. Don't disengage from the good shepherd in your life. Listen to his voice. He wants to speak to you this morning. He might even speak to you from this uh, 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 chubby, bow-legged, gray-headed old man. Amen. Respond to his love. Follow his leadership. Partake of the provision. You're here today. You know what you're doing? You're partaking of God's provision in your life. It's good for you. And you believe His promises. I love. In fact, I'm just going to go, that clock's about to wear out. I can't. You know what? Y'all want to know some bad news? The battery's running out on that clock down there. And I can't see the screen anymore. Psalm 23. Let me just show you this. I love, David ends with a promise. You don't realize it. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Now, here's, here's a statement of faith. Here's a promise. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I've David got a, he got a handle. You see, David was a shepherd. In fact, the Bible says David shepherded Israel with integrity of heart and skillfulness of hand. He understood what it meant to shepherd people because he had shepherded sheep uh, uh, in his fathers and, and uh, pastures. He understood the illustration and he yielded to the governance of God in his life. He yielded to the guidance of the good shepherd in here. He believed the promise. Says God, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm telling you, you gotta stay engaged with the good shepherd in your life. And let me just tell you, I'm preaching to somebody today. If you don't get anything else, get this one right here. Realize that Jesus wants to speak to you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to tend to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to govern you. It's all for your good. He loves you. He knows your name. He cares about you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Come on now. Let the good shepherd lead you into the abundant life that he has for you. Now you ought to say amen. Amen. Whew, that was number one. Number two, you got to stay engaged. If you're going to live a victorious life over the devil on a daily basis, you got to live your life staying engaged with the safety and security of the good shepherd's flock. That's equally important. A wandering and wayward sheep is a vulnerable sheep. Beverly and I have been to Africa. We've seen animals being killed and killed on the Serengeti plain. But let me tell you something what I've seen, I've watched this with my own eyes the lion and the other uh, uh, animals that, that are predators, they don't go for the herd. They try to divide and conquer. You've seen it on National Geographic. They take the weak. They take one who's, who's gotten wayward, who's gotten out of, and and they try to take the one and get them away from the rest of the others. And so they can divide and conquer. Let me tell you something. You get out from under the governance and the guidance of the good shepherd and his flock. You're in serious trouble. We need to, there's, there's power in numbers. There's strength in numbers. And we need one another in our life. And so we've got to understand that the, the, the Family of faith is here uh, as not just moral support, but, but for victory capacity over the devil. Are you with me, say Amen? Let me show you a verse. First Peter, go to First Peter chapter five. I hear those pages turning. First Peter chapter five. most people quote verse eight and nine. "Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Most people quote that. But the context. Now you've got to catch the... How many of you know context is huge? You don't want to get things out of context. You know what the context of this is? Look in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Catch this, verse 2, he's telling the elders, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Catch verse five, it's huge. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Uh, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And then it says, be sober, be vigilant. The context of this is the family of faith. As the family of faith, resist him steadfast in the faith. There are no solo soldiers in God's army. We're in this thing together. And together, we're all better. Look at your neighbor and say, We're better together. We really are. We're better together as a family of faith. It's crawfish bull night tonight. It's, it's ladies' uh, Bible study night. Oh, I don't know. I don't know We're better together. You don't know. Hey, let me just tell you. You don't, do not know what is thwarted by God in your life through a consistent influence of the family of faith in your life. Are you with me? Say Amen. We're better together. We're more victorious together. Uh, and, and so a wandering and wayward sheep is a vulnerable sheep. Uh, and so the context of this first Peter chapter five is, hey, Come together. Younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you be submitted to one another. Together, we can be sober, be vigilant. Uh, because the devil walks about like a, prowl, uh, pr- uh, a prowling lion, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And together, that's the context, resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Amen. The ladies are going to go through, uh, I don't know, is it a six weeks uh, on the armor of God or is it eight weeks? Six six Sessions of the Armor of God by Priscilla Shire. Is that correct? It's Priscilla, the lady that was in the movie War Room. Oh, if you hadn't seen that, you need to see that. She's going to be speaking at the Pink Conference, ladies. So you need to sign up and be a part of that. It's going to be uh, streamed right into this sanctuary. But they're going to be talking about the armor of God. Now, that's from Ephesians 6. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. And it talks about the armor of get God and and, and, and being properly clothed spiritually. Again, Ephesians, read Ephesians. It's not about solo soldiers. Yes, all of us have a responsibility, listen, on a personal level to be prepared to put on the whole armor of God, but the context is the local church. Listen carefully. We've got to stay engaged with the safety and security of God's, of the good shepherd's flock, we're a part of the family of faith. And so we've got to stick together. We've got to stay together. And we've got to grow together. And we can be victorious together. We're better together, for goodness sake. Beverly and I were once young and now we're older. And I have, though we have a lot of great stories of successful, uh, in fact, uh, I see Tiffany Doyle, and I'll use her as an example. She was here when we were here, when we came, right? She was barely out of high school in my book. Uh, and and Rebecca was how old? Two or three? She was four. And uh and in fact they came from our sister, our mother church, the mothership, Church on the Rock, Golden Triangle, Church on the Rock. And we're plants here, and they've been here ever since, and they've never left, they've never faltered, they've never wavered, and and she knows, Promise she knows I'm not the greatest preacher in town, but this is home, this is the family of faith. She's never wanted, she's never wavered, and her and her daughter are strong, faithful members, and, and now Rebecca's got a, she graduated college, she's got a good job, she's a nurse, She's a faithful supporter of the family of faith here in the church, and, and it's, a good, it's a great testimony to sticking it out and staying close to the family of faith and, and staying engaged not only with the good shepherd. In fact, let me just say, the good shepherd's a part of the family of faith. You can't stay uh, engaged with the good shepherd if you're not engaged with his family. Are you with me? Conversely, Beverly and I have stories of people who have wa- wandered in wavered, and they've wandered away. And, and we, with, after attempts on our own part to get them back, they wandered off and have missed it and lost out. In fact, I saw a story, a friend of mine, one of, one of those people from years ago at our first church we pastored, just messed up his life, wandered away, divorced his wife, Moved off to the Philippines and met a woman in the Philippines and moved off the Philippines. I got a news report in my inbox the other day that he was murdered out of a financial deal gone bad. Burned alive in his own car. I just, God. Let me just say, that was not God's plan for his life. God's plan for his life was to stay married to his wife and raise his own kids. In the church, for goodness' sake. Whoo, mercy. Number three and four. I'll hit them quickly. I, again, I don't. I don't have a clock, so you're in trouble. Kind of re. If you're gonna, hey, if you're gonna live the life that God has, you live the abundant life you got to stay engaged with the governance and guidance of the good shepherd. you got to stay engaged with the safety and security of the, God's, uh, of the good shepherd's flock. Number three, you, we must stay engaged with the authority and power of the good shepherd's word. His word, the Bible. The Bible says about the Bible that it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Ephesians 6 refers to the Word of God as the Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And how many of you know the Sword of the Spirit uh, allows us to wield that's, it's, it, the power of the Word of God against the powers and the principalities. The spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. In fact, Jesus, when he was on, in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, the devil tempted him. And in fact, the Bible says in all points as we're tempted, yet without sin, every time the devil came to tempt him, Jesus would quote the word of God. And he would say, yes, but it is written. Somebody say it is written. It is written. Somebody say it is written. Woo. The devil tempted him with bread. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. How many of you know if you hadn't eaten in 40 days? A loaf of bread looks pretty good. Tempted him with bread. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Whoo, victory! And you know what the Bible said? I said, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the devil left him. And hopefully came back for a more opportune time. Listen, when you get the power of God's word in your life flowing and you can quote the, the... The problem is most people don't know the Bible and they can't quote the Bible. And when the devil comes and said, hath God said, you know, I don't know, maybe he did Because I'm just a sheep and I'm not very smart. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. We got commentary going out there. I can't hear it. but That commentary... But if we begin to let the word of God begin to work in our life and we begin to know the word, it's not, hey, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall do what? set you free it's not the truth that sets you free it's the truth you know i heard okra i mean oprah quoted one another. she said you know the word of god will set you free and i said no it will not it's not the word that sets you free it's the word you know if you don't know it down in here you'll never be able to experience but when you get the word of god in your heart every demon and devil can come at you and you can say man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of them Then shall not tip the lord like a fool Get behind me, devil. You see, the Lord speaks to us through his written word. I love what David said. David, who who understood the shepherd, he said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. He said, your word, I'm going to hide it in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The power of God's Word in our life. Amen. You've got to stay engaged with the authority and power of the Good Shepherd's Word. Listen, we need a daily Devo. We need to get a daily Devo going. Daily Devo? Yeah, that means every day you get in the Bible and begin to read the word and think about the word meditate on the word and listen to the word. And God speaks to us through the written word. He, he also speaks to us throughout through the Holy spirit in our heart. It's called the rainbow word from God, but primarily he speaks to us through the written word of God. And it is alive and active and sharper than any, this is not just a history book. This is his story and it's alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and it'll speak to you and help you and, and 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 the bible says it'll divide between soul and spirit joints and marrow the word of god is living and active and so we've got to stay engaged not only with the governance and guidance of the good shepherd if we're going to live a victorious life we also have to stay engaged with the safety and security of the family of faith and then number three we've got to stay engaged with the authority and power of the good shepherd's word and find today, we've got to stay engaged with the authority and power of the good shepherd's helper. The disciples began to get a little frothed up when Jesus said, I'm leaving you. John 14, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, my father's house, or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go. Oh, that's when they start getting nervous. Oh, no, don't go. I go to prepare a place for you. And Thomas, he he had troubles. He had struggles with doubt. This is from his first reveal. Uh, Ah, where are you going? We don't know where you're going, and we don't know the way. Hey, 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 don't talk about it. We don't know the way. So he begins to talk to him, and then he says this. He says, I'm not going to leave you without a helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's your helper. He's your paraclete. The Greek word is the one who's brought alongside to help you. He'll he'll be, he'll be, uh, it'll be like me there with you. But by the way of the Holy Spirit and he He said, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm coming again. But while I'm gone, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he is your helper. You've got to stay engaged with the Holy Spirit. Something interesting is going on this month. You know, you want to know what it is. It's amazing. It's the anniversary of one of the most significant events in the history of of, of present day and, and 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 all of christianity in the 20th century 19th century it's the anniversary the 110 year anniversary of the azusa street revival the azusa street revival if you're a facebooker go read the article that i posted this morning 110 years ago catch this and it and it started uh In Houston, basically, there was a a black preacher by the name of, I think his name is William Seymour. In fact, uh, if I remember right, he was a one-eyed black preacher. And a man by the name, without getting too detailed, he was sent to California to birth a church. And there in Los Angeles, California, on Azusa Street, the Holy Ghost was poured out like never before. And for years, it was constant revival in Azusa Street. And from Azusa Street, bona fide global revival, Spirit of God was poured out not only all over America, but around the world because of Azusa Street. Like a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's interesting. You want to know something interesting? Over 20, I think 27% of confessed Christians in the world today, over 27% confess to some form of Pentecostal experience in their life. Having embraced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in their life. I'm telling you, now that's, that's amazing. In fact, today, every day, listen carefully. You want to know that? Every day, statistically around the world... Over 25,000 people a day are being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The revival's still going on. That that equates today to nearly 600 million people around the world are Spirit-filled believers who have experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in their life. And today, and, and yesterday primarily, in Los Angeles, California, there was a rally. Uh, 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 in fact, I've got a friend of mine there, uh, a rally at 100,000 plus people coming together to honor and and, and pray over our nation uh, and, and uh, in, in that area close to Azusa Street and ask God to pour out His Holy Spirit on us again. We need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our life. If we're going to be victorious over the devil, we need to stay engaged with the authority and the power of the Good Shepherd's Holy Spirit. And say, Holy Spirit, you know what Paul said? He said, be ye continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you get full of the Holy Spirit, heaven gets, gets happy and hell gets really nervous because you start tapping into the power of God in your life. Amen? Well, today's been fun for me. I hope it's been good for you. Jesus said, the thief comes but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life, that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Let's stand together. Father, today we thank you for the Word of God. We pray today that you would help us to live the life that you have for us to live. That we would stay engaged with the Good Shepherd. With the Good Shepherd's flock. With the Good Shepherd's work good shepherd's Holy Spirit help us live a life that is victorious for Lord we live in constant conflict there's spiritual wars rumors of wars and problems spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places today Lord We ask you to help us live the life that you would have us to live. One that would be victorious over the devil. Lord, we stand together as the family of faith. In fact, you may be a guest here today and maybe this might unnerve you just a little, but I'm going to ask you, if someone's close to there, take them by the hand. It's the family of faith. We're going to agree together. In this house today, the devils come to steal and to kill and to destroy. And whoever's hand you hold, they're your brother, your sister, family. We're better together. And we agree together right now in the name of Jesus. That every demon power, every spiritual force of wickedness that would try to come against us. To steal, to kill and destroy Who we are and what we have We take authority over that devil For you said you gave us authority over demons and devils To tread upon scorpions and snakes And over all the power of the enemy Together, Lord, we stand in faith And we resist him steadfast in the faith We bind him We arrest him not just in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, but we we arrest him in the name of Jesus who lives and abides within us. And as the family of faith and as believers and brothers and sisters in Christ, we take our stand seated with Christ in heavenly places. and We bind every demon, devil, and hell in the name of Jesus. We thank you for victory in our lives. Lord, help us live the life that you have for us. Engaged with the good shepherd on a daily basis engaged with uh, the good shepherd and his family of faith engaged with the authority and the power of God's good shepherd word in our life and with the Holy Spirit Lord fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit fill us Lord thank you for an outpouring of the spirit not only around the world but all over southeast Texas Pour out upon us your Holy Ghost. Refresh us, empower us, cleanse us. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody said amen. Woo! Well, God bless you today. Amen. Thank you.